0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Young man, I say to you, arise. These are the words we hear in today's gospel account from Luke chapter 7. We're told that Jesus is making his way towards a city called Nain or Naim. It was a city only a short distance away from Nazareth where Jesus grew up. And the city name means beautiful. And the name is somewhat ironic both in terms of the city itself and in terms of what occurs on this day with Jesus in this city. Jesus along with a large crowd of people, according to St. Luke, makes his procession towards Nain. Making his way from the lower plains below, he ascends up the steep path to the city that lay higher up in the mountainous regions of Galilee. And as he makes his way up to the left and to the right of the path are burial caves that are hewn out in the mountain's sidewalls. Recent excavations have unearthed numerous of these burial caves. And it's even said that up until the late 300s, the very house of the widow from this story was a church, and the very tomb intended for the young man had remained present. As Jesus passes through this valley of death, there comes another procession out from the gate of the city. And this is the funeral procession of the widow's son the widow and a a large group of accompanying mourners, along with those carrying the body on what was called a bier or a a wicker-type stretcher, begin making their way down the same path, descending literally and figuratively to death's dark veil. And as the two groups approach each other, there's no way to avoid the confrontation that would occur. There was no stepping to the side. There was no silently ignoring what came by. Luke says in chapter 7, verse 13, that when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And as we know, Jesus then went, and he he touched the beer. He did that which actually made him ritually impure. He touched death, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise and the sun rose the morning was turned to joy the procession to the grave now became a procession back to the city with songs of praise and amazement they glorified God as Luke says in verse 16 saying a great prophet has risen up among us and God has visited his people it's quite the comforting story especially from the perspective of the widow And as I researched the passage, I came across an interesting perspective. And it begins with this question. Who was this miracle done for? Was it done for the son? Did Jesus raise the young man from death for the sake of the young man? Did Jesus do this for the sake of the disciples and and the large crowd that was traveling with him? Did Jesus say, okay, here's my chance to show them that I can raise people from the dead? I mean, Jesus does do something similar to that with Lazarus later on. Jesus delays coming to Lazarus on purpose so that the glory of God could be shown. But in this case, Luke doesn't say Jesus was doing this as a a show of his power or his might as the Son of God. Jesus did this for the sake of the widow. When Jesus saw the grieving woman, when Jesus saw the wife who had already lost her husband, when Jesus saw the mother who had now lost her son, her only son, he had compassion on her. One commentator said that although Luke is a physician who shows the healing and the, the human side of Jesus He doesn't really display Jesus as having a lot of emotion. Now, I'd personally have to go back and and read the gospel account of Luke again in its entirety to verify that statement. But if it is true, then it's quite interesting that Luke shows Jesus here with such compassion. He had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. I mean, consider this case. This woman was a widow. She had already lost her husband, as I said. And in the world in which she lived, women didn't quite have the acknowledgement and opportunities that are pushed for in today's society. I mean, there was no equal rights movement for women. There was no equal pay for equal work that was sought after. So she was out of luck at this point. There would be no inheritance. There would be no owning of land. There would be no retirement fund, and there would be no life insurance handed over to her. But while all of this is true, I don't think that was her thought on that day. She was burying her son. And I don't think her thought was about the financial implications of being a widow, it was her grief. It was her grief because she lost her other half, her husband now she lost her son. I mean, her husband's one thing, sad for sure, but her child? That's not supposed to happen. And the realization that he was dead, the realization that she would never again be able to speak to him, the realization that she would never be able to to hold him in an embrace again, it was the worst grief imaginable. I don't know what it's like lose a child. I don't know what it's like to lose someone to an untimely death. I mean, sure, my dad died unexpectedly in the sense that we didn't think it would happen when it happened, but he was 70 years old, so that's a bit different. The closest I can come to understanding this widow is perhaps seeing my own wife when Aiden was young. And I can say this because they both went next door to leave Kids Chapel, so they won't hear this, <laughs> but if she did hear it, she'd still start crying about it some 10 years later. I remember how distraught she was when, when Aiden got out of the house and he fell in the pool before he knew how to swim, while we were all inside and we didn't know it. And if it weren't but for the, the grace of God coming upon my mom and upon Liz at the exact right moment to say, where's Aiden?" and my mom screaming out the pool, he wouldn't be with us today. And it scares Liz to this day, seeing in her mind's eye the image of him in the pool when she got there. Now, my family is fortunate. Our son is still with us. But I'm sure some of you have experienced something like that yourself. Or had others who experienced what the widow of name did. A miscarriage. A child's death to an accident. Or a disease like cancer claiming a young one's life. Or a close one passing when you didn't think it was coming. Or when it was, as we say, before their time. The grief is immense. And I believe that grief is what moved Jesus that day. That's what Jesus had compassion on, not the dead son, not the idea or the concept of death, but the grief of the very mother who stood there before him with tears streaming down her face. And all this I've said in previous sermons. After many years of approaching this text on the 16th Sunday after Trinity, it's hard not to say what has been previously said before. But I hope you'll let me go out on a little limb here and let me suggest something about this passage, something in which I had never meditated upon before until I did some reading of that article this week. I think Jesus' emotion in this situation, and later when he he weeps at the grave of Lazarus, is a definite display of Jesus' full humanity. Although he knows the power that he has over death, Although he knows his power even before he arrives at the tomb of Lazarus when he raises him. Although he knows the power that he has before saying the words to the widow, weep not. In his humanity, Jesus is completely and emotionally impacted by his own understanding of what was to come for himself and his own mother. Let us not forget that Jesus knew the purpose for which he came into the world. Jesus knew who his Father in heaven was, and Jesus knew what path lay before him. He knew his was one that would lead to the cross. And an interesting part of the crucifixion account, when you read it, is that of Jesus taking care of whom? His mother. While Jesus hang condemned as an innocent criminal while Jesus is is pouring out his blood as an offering on the altar of the cross while his flesh is ripped apart from being whipped his lungs slowly suffocating what does Jesus concern himself with Jesus is concerned about the grief and the care of his mother He says to the blessed mother crying nearby, woman, behold thy son. And he says to the disciple whom he loved, St. John, he says, behold thy mother. Imagine Mary during this time. Imagine Jesus looking on at his mother as she watches and witnesses all of this horror happening around her. And don't you think that Jesus, when he sees the widow of Nain, that he sees in her what would soon be of his own mother on Calvary. His untimely death. His unexpected death, at least according to those who stood around. But yet, in the back of my mind, I would also like to believe that as Mary watched Jesus on Calvary, she herself remembered These two instances of Lazarus and the widow of Nain. I mean, she may not have been there when when he raised up the widow's son. We aren't told that. I mean, she may have been part of the, the large crowd that Luke mentions, but we're not told that. But regardless, one way or the other, I'm sure she knew of it. And perhaps, just perhaps, while Mary cried out tears of sorrow and distress and grief on Good Friday and what we call Holy Saturday, Just perhaps deep down in the depths of her pondering soul, she knew what Jesus had revealed in the raising up of the widow's son and in the raising up of Lazarus. And it gave her comfort. And friends, I think it is this truth, this stabilizing and foundational truth that we are given to see in this same record of St. Luke this morning. Jesus encountered that grief. That deepest grief of a mother's soul. Just as the scriptures say, he's known our sorrows, he's borne our griefs. But on that day in name, he brought joy out of sorrow. He brought wholeness out of despair. He brought life out of death. And the blessed St. Luke would have us know this truth and embrace this reality. And for us to find some comfort in that. Jesus is just as Jesus says he is. He is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the very Son of God. Come to earth, and in and through him, it is as the people proclaimed that God has indeed visited his people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.